you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Oh, I am the Walmart. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. <laughs> Aren't you? Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Just been revoked. Open the pod bay doors, Tom. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Because it is my name! I see Dave. <laughs> Today, Junior? Ever dance with the devil in the pale of moonlight? What? You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Like scary Uh huh. What's your favorite scary movie? The price is wrong, bitch. Welcome to Critics Not Cynics, the podcast that tries to prove that you can be a critic without being a cynic. And this week, uh, if you can't, again, tell by the background, uh, we are finally getting back to our MCU franchise review. It's been a while. We've taken a little bit of a break. Um, But yes, you're getting two weeks of Marvel content in a row. uh, So (laughs) hopefully you're not too overwhelmed with that. Um, And uh, as always, I'm joined by Leslie. Leslie, how's it going? Hi, I'm good right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, this was a little little bit iffy uh, on if we were going to get this yeah. recorded or not, but thankfully uh, I decided to not be a little lazy, and you decided <laughs> to feel a little bit better. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> it, it was one of those things where, like, I was going to take a nap, and then I was just, like, laying there, and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to get a nap in, so let's just get this recorded. <laughs> So, yeah. um, well, and, and thank, thankfully, I yes. felt good today. So exactly, yes, we're good. Um, so yeah, and uh, of course, you know, we're recording this after work, so it's always best to get it done and out of the way for the weekend. Um, hopefully, also by the time this releases, I will have seen Eternals. Uh, I don't know if you yourself are going to get a chance to get out and see it, just depending on how you're feeling. Uh, yeah. So hopefully, we'll have a, a report on that here before too long, um, and. As always, uh, we did a stream last weekend, and we should have done the stream this recently past weekend as well. So, uh, hope you guys are enjoying those as we're doing the games. I know one of the ones I plan for, except I don't know how it'll be uh, with the music, is to do Guardians of the Galaxy for Leslie, since Leslie's not much of a gamer, but <laughs> she likes uh, the Marvel content and Marvel stuff, uh, and I think she would really enjoy the game. That would be one way to kind of get to, to show the game off, and since. Uh, as we've tested it out this past weekend, I think with Pat and discord, I think we can do it where 
one of you guys is on the on the stream with me, so it's not just me just talking around. Uh, so with that stuff out of the way, let's go ahead and uh, pretty much dive into it with Iron Man three, um, or basically Incredibles um, live action. Uh, yeah. So, uh, okay, let's let's go ahead and kind of do this a little bit differently than we've done with the other ones. Let's talk about because we have a kind of. Um, a pre Shang Chi view of Iron Man three and a post Shang Chi view of Iron Man three. Um, so if you haven't seen Shang Chi, that might be a little bit of a spoiler for you, but we'll, we'll kind of tell, you know, telegraph it before, um, we get to talking about how we feel after Shang Chi. Um, so when I saw this in the theaters, I was really excited for it. Uh, Shane Black, uh, you, you know, is is a very talented filmmaker. Um, except that I don't think when it lends to properties like this, and even um, I believe he was involved in the last Predator movie. Uh, it, his like fanboyness doesn't really actually work. And and if you're not familiar with Shane Black, he actually was in the first Predator film as well, and he's done. Um, uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang with Robert Downey Jr. as well. Uh, nice Guys, this, uh, I believe Predator, uh, s- uh, the kind of reboot sequel uh, to Predator. And uh, I was kind of excited for him taking this over because I've, you know, a little bit familiar with this stuff. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is f- a fantastic film. If you haven't seen it, highly recommend it. Even if you're not necessarily familiar with Shane's work, Robert Downey Jr. gives top-tier performance as, as well as Val Kilmer. Um, but when I ultimately saw this film, like I think I'm one of the rare people who, for the most part, I enjoyed all of the film, except for some story points. Um, I know you have a different opinion. So broadly, what was your opinion of, of this after you saw it in the theaters? Yeah. After I saw it in the theaters, you know, let's turn back the clock, I remember just kind of being disappointed with it and kind of like, why did we even need this? It was just kind of, not that any part of it was, like, stand out, like, terrible. Mm-hmm. You know, there just wasn't any part of it that I felt like I needed this from Tony. You know, I was just kind of like, eh. Yeah. You know, I, whatever. I, I'll it wasn't, say the, like, um, hype and it wasn't bad. The internal kind of conflict of him being him or Iron Man was not really great. Uh, I think my biggest complaint about story plots for this, uh, and it's probably very minor for most people, or it's actually just a very minor plot in general, but like it totally negates uh, um, Avengers in a sense, and that is the removal of the arc reactor um, from his heart. Like they do the surgery, get the shrapnel out, because like that was the one thing that protected him from Loki's tricks, you know, with the, with the staff, <laughs> like having that there. And, you know, I, I feel like his whole speech with Banner um, on the helicarrier and everything, it was really negated by this film because this film is uh, I, and I think that that's the problem that comes with this first one. This one being the one directly after Avengers is what do you do post Avengers? You know, where where do we take the stories? Where do we do set these characters? Yeah, well, we talked, and of course we haven't done a Black Widow review. I have right. been able to watch it since, but my suggestion after having watched Black Widow was that the next movie after Avengers should have been a half and half between Widow and Hawkeye, and it should have been... I don't want to give too much spoilers, 
about Black Widow since we haven't gotten there and if you haven't seen it. But it should have been about a particular plot point yeah. and given us more time to meet characters and given us flashback history for both of those characters since they're sort of the B-listers of the Avengers. Right. I feel like this slot right here should have been their movie. And then we do Iron Man 3, even if it was still exactly this, exactly like this film. Right. Maybe if you'd had some more space, it might have not felt so negating. Like, it might have felt like you had more time. But I do think the slot directly after Avengers should have been a Hawkeye Black Widow, like, half and half movie. And I think, uh, and this is a criticism we both have uh, of the MCU and of um, Kevin Feige in general, is his lack of consideration with black widow um and i because like this is this can be a very like touchy subject and um one thing that like it's it's currently an issue i think in hollywood um where there is an argument that doesn't need to be there where his i think his opinion and maybe the vast majority of of audience members opinions i'm not sure were that a female superhero film could not succeed uh, on its own. But then we get Wonder Woman, you know, and it blows everything out of expectations. And honestly, for as much of a criticism as you can make of the DCEU and its lack of cohesion and uh, and structured uh, world building, they were able to get out their first female led superhero film. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to be fair, like there have been Marvel movies where there were female Electra, you know, which poor, <laughs> poor performing and, and, you know, an okay film for the time that it was made in. I, I think like now that we have this structured, organized world, it, it doesn't fit, but I remember watching yeah. the Electra film just thinking it was, it was fine. But uh, I, I think there's that misconception that, um, a female superhero film would be met with criticism. No one would go out and see it. And I think the problem being is you have to make it be a good film. Like you keep right. take, take out the female aspect of it alone. You have to tell a good story. Exactly. And so I think that that's where the mishandling of black widow was. Cause I agree, this would have been a perfect part to put in a Black Widow story, uh, whether it be, especially when you get, when we get to like Age of Ultron and we get more little tiny tidbits. And like when we get to the actual Black Widow film, it feels like there were, it was just, let's cram everything in as quick as possible because we don't even get like, uh, you know, payouts for some of those little tidbits that were worked into Age of Ultron. And it's kind of disappointing that we'll, most likely never never get, get there yeah. um yeah. so yeah so we're dealing with you know tony and post new york um ptsd it's not, yeah, not really a fan of it and uh and we've got the rebranding of uh war machine as iron patriot we got aldrich killian we got maya hansen we got extremis uh we get aim. We get aim. Um, and now Even this is. Even though they don't do anything with it. Well, I, I don't know if you heard about this, and this is complete speculation, complete rumor, but aim may come back because they may have tapped Jim Carrey for Modoc. Okay. Um, and, and for several appearances, like not just a one film off. Uh, type thing so that'd be interesting with with Modoc's <laughs> ties to aim. Uh, yeah, I think. Um, especially with how they're going to do Modoc being a big giant floating head, basically. Um, <laughs> I think aim is, is set for a comeback. And, uh, 
and who knows, maybe we'll even see Aldrich come back because like we we've seen Extremis do what it can do, and it's not out of the realm of possibility that maybe some part of him survived and has been in hiding. Um, right. But yeah, this. So I think uh, another complaint that people generally have of this film, which is where I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum for it, is a lot of people don't like that Tony is outside of the suit for 75% of the film. And uh, normally that would be a complaint from me. But I liked what the story did, and it made me forget that I wanted to see him in the suit. Um, yeah. I think his relationship with Harley was, was fantastic. Um, you know, a little young mind to kind of bounce ideas off of and, uh, and all that stuff, the mechanic I, uh, aspect, uh, all, all of that stuff that happens in Tennessee. I, I really enjoy. Although I feel like, again, it's, it's cramming a lot of material in with the extremist soldiers. Um, one kind of weird, I, I noticed this in the theaters and I noticed it in my rewatch. It, a series of events with like how they, they spaced out the scene where Tony's walking to the bar and he runs into, um, Brant, the female, um, extremist soldier. And they have their little conversation about the watch. And then she goes on and then he goes in and then he sits down with the woman and is talking about the soldier. And then all of a sudden she's in there, like in the bar, slamming down the fake badge, acting like she's Homeland security. Like it just, that confluence of events, like, he runs, yeah, runs into her outside. She's leaving, but just, I mean, you can say, well, because she knows who Tony is, like, that's why she went back to the bar, but it just feels weird with how that whole scene plays out. Um, I also like, uh, James Badgedale in this and he's the kind of the, uh, bald head, you know, uh, bad guy who is, you know, a, causing happy a whole lot of problems in the film i do like their little exchange at the beginning when he's like badge and he's like got that leg (laughs) over the chair and he picks it up and (laughs) dangles it and everything um and then guy pierce i think is really great as aldrich although ultimately again this being the main problem that i think the mcu has as a whole outside of villains like ultron and thanos is a very poorly developed villain um yeah you know, yeah, it doesn't. It, they haven't really found a stride yet with villains, right? And of of being able to properly utilize them. I I think it. I don't know if it's just a Marvel thing or if it's also like a Disney thing because it's like the heroes need to win in the end and we need to have a happy ending sort of a thing. Yeah. So they're 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 afraid to go too far, I guess, with a villain or to end on a villain winning. Um. I, I don't really know, but I feel like, well, you did a good job developing Thanos in little bits and pieces. You just need to be able to try and do something like that a little more condensed, you know, into right. one story. Because I think, I think the thing that we can say the most about uh, phase two of the MCU is one shot villains Out, outside of like something yeah. like uh, Winter Soldier. Uh, when you get Malekith and Thor Dark World, Aldrich here, um, who else we got? Even even Ultron to ex- an extent, but like even Ultron didn't need that much developing because it's very basic. He's a you know he's the, the Terminator. He, he's <laughs> he's Skynet. You know, so like yeah. every everyone knows what what needs to go on with that. Um, but I th- I really do think like phase phase two is really the the problem of creating convincing villain. villains and. Yeah. Um, because, like, Ma- Malekith, and when we get to Thor Dark World, which I believe is the next one, uh, 
it's bad. I mean, it's really bad when it comes to that. <laughs> At least like Aldrich has uh, some of like they do the great like one of the things I like best about this film is the opening scene in, in uh, uh, Bert's uh, Switzerland or whatever. Um, yeah. Where where you know we we see uh, Ho Jensen and you know the conversation referencing back all the way back to Iron Man one, yeah. um, and Aldrich being kind of the the lame not lame but you know physically impaired awkward genius uh, meeting his hero trying to propose an idea for them to work together. And ultimately, you know, getting the narcissist, the extreme narcissistic Tony, shutting yeah. him down. And that this is what creates the villain for later on in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, Which and, goes back to him. We create our own demons. Because exactly. Because he was such, an, such a narcissist. <laughs> well, and you think you about know, it like that's... Feel, oh, go oh, ahead. I was just going to say, you kind of feel bad that, that Aldridge met him there. That like... Yeah. Why couldn't he have met him when he was a little bit more humbled? Well, and and that that demon's line isn't necessarily even specifically just for Aldrich. You think about you just go right. to Iron Man one and his weapons right. and and uh, Ironmonger and all that stuff. Like even even with uh, Whiplash, like these are all things that are tied to his legacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that's ultimately what we get uh, f- throughout the MCU is Tony's. Uh, ability to change what his legacy was to what it is now. And, um, so yeah, I know this one's kind of all over the place, but, uh, (laughs) pre Shang Chi with the Mandarin and the Mandarin reveal that this is an actor just playing a role for Aldrich. This was the thing that I disliked the most coming out of the film. Like I said, 95% of the film, for the most part, really enjoyed it, especially the final sequence with all the suits and everything. Uh, Our little kind of hint uh, with Igor at a Hulkbuster armor um, and and all the the very fun stuff that we get in that final fight. But it was really let down. When you tell me Ben Kingsley is going to be playing the Mandarin, like, and I'm going (laughs) in and I'm expecting him, and he's he's doing a fantastic job. Mm -hmm. Then we get to Miami. And we find out it's Trevor, Trevor Slattery, yeah. and he's just an actor. And uh, I, I, lo- I do love the line, like, um, what was it? Oh, I was on drugs. Oh, what did they do? Get you off them? No, they gave me more. Gave me more, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just yeah. like, okay, uh, very funny. Just very well, like, he, he, that's what Ben Kingsley is. He's a very talented actor. So, like, he was able to do both of those roles, and I enjoyed that, but I hated that reveal hated that reveal yeah Um, so like at the time i i like didn't know much but what i knew going in was that other people were very disappointed with whatever it was so i didn't do any research more than that until i saw the movie and then once i'd seen it i then you know googled a little bit and just kind of realized that like oh this is supposed to be like tony's main enemy Mm -hmm. and you know and it's turned into this and they just like didn't utilize it at all so that was also like well that's a letdown not that i i think um ben kingsley did a great job he was fantastic with what he was given to do but i do i it was that disappointment of like that's what they decided to do with this villain like that's what they tried to do it, it just felt like a complete waste. And then when you have Aldrich yeah. there at the end going, I am the Mandarin, it's like, no, you're, you're, no, you're, you're not. not. You're, you're just yeah. this other villain. Like you're, you're not yeah. the Mandarin. 
so yeah, it was a very kind of like disappointing, uh, just, you know, whatever, whatever moment. And then it gets a little redemption in the one shot, all hail the yes. king, which we'll talk <laughs> a little bit here about now. Um, because we get to see Trevor go to jail and, um, <laughs> we also get a little reprisal from Justin Hammer, uh, a little bit in the lunchroom. And then he's getting interviewed, and we find out that that interviewer is actually a, an agent of the real Mandarin and yeah. breaks him out of jail. And that's kind of all we had for years. And this is, we kind of talked about this when we talked a little bit about the Shang-Chi trailer, was, okay, will that be revisited? Yeah. And then here we are. So, again, a little bit spoilers for Shang-Chi if you haven't seen it we get Trevor back and what feels like a total redemption arc for what they did with the Mandarin and Iron Man three, you know, yeah, yeah, just completely retconning, but not really retconning anything. Like it just, it fixed it and it makes watching this movie now with that knowledge so much better. <laughs> yes. Like it, it takes away that kind of negative reaction you have where like, Oh, this is all they're going to do that. You know, they just wasted this character completely. Whereas yeah. now they've actually approached it in a much better way. And they're like, well, we're going to have, uh, have the Mandarin uh, really kind of be more focused for Shang-Chi and have a more compelling story, uh, do him more justice here. And this Ooh. film, and then also bridge Iron Man three and Shang-Chi together with Trevor and uh, cause, cause especially we had gone so many years without, or a few years without anything happening after all hail the King. Uh, yeah. So like just leaving you going, will that ever be addressed? Will we ever see Trevor yeah. again? Like, you know, you set that all up. And then once the stuff started coming out for Shang-Chi that they were dealing with the Mandarin and all that stuff, it was like, okay, I think I see where this is going. Yeah. So. Well, for, just for what is like 15 minutes or whatever it is of all hail the king. Mm -hmm. That was enough. Like, like having Shang-Chi obviously is far better, but having that bit was at least enough to be like, okay, I can, I can go ahead and give it to you Marvel that, you know, um, Aldridge is part of this think tank and the think tank might've like gone through, you know, and done their Google search or whatever and seen like, oh, there's mythical references to this supposed warrior or whatever. Let's create, like, they could have come up with this sort right. of a thing, like lies or you know, there's usually a little bit of truth sort of a thing that, like, they created the persona and just took that name and, like, like, like that is realistic. It's not just that he randomly made something up that happened to coincidentally be similar to. Like, I just feel like the guy the interviewer, you know, when he's like laying out all the different images and stuff, when he's asking him, did you know that there's a real blah, 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 you know, going on. That's like, okay, I can see like a big think tank of people could have like seen a bunch of this stuff on the internet or research right. or whatever. And, and, and decided, oh, we'll create this character. And like, and it seems legit and it doesn't seem like such a total waste. Like if you just had just the movie. Right. Yeah. It, it, it kind of, uh, it does retroactively like fix a lot of those issues that I think almost everyone outside of anyone not knowing any character knowledge for the Mandarin uh, and, and who were upset with what they did with the Mandarin in this film, give them a little like, cause I know when I watched it, I was like, Oh, he, 
awesome. Like, at least you're telling me the Mandarin's out there. Like, yeah. And that he's not thrilled. He's with, not happy about it. Yeah. With, with Trevor's, uh, you know, taking his namesake and everything like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I'm trying to think of if there's any other, because I think, again, a little major failure of this film is, uh, and it's a little bit of a failure, like with Black Widow and some of the other um, kind of okayer Marvel movies, is that. I don't really feel like we're, we're supposed to feel like this is a journey for Tony to come to the realization that like he, he is Iron Man and Iron Man is him, that there's really no distinguishing one or the other. Cause like his fear kind of before it is Iron Man is this almost mythical thing. And Tony is just this thing over here to the side. At least that's kind of my interpretation of it a little bit. And yet like, it, it felt like a um, a crisis that Tony wouldn't have or shouldn't have. Like it just his whole internal crisis throughout the film outside of the PTSD, because like that I can understand. You know, you just fought aliens. You went to space. You kind of died for like two seconds. Um, well, that... I feel like it's all a little more intertwined than that, just because. He, he was there in space, he saw all that, and now he's kind of panicking, I think, that he isn't enough to be able to protect Earth, let alone Pepper, you know? Mm. And, like, him having, like, an actual real stable relationship with one person is, like, a new thing for him, you know? And there's, like, all this... I think it's sort of all this at the same time sort of a thing, and he doesn't really know how to handle it. So you get the stress of the PTSD and the anxiety, and it kind of... It's a circular thing that, like... I'm not good enough, you know, Iron, Iron Man can be good enough, but what am I without the suit, you know, like, right. that's that, when he has to mentor, comes back, um, and, and Spider-Man when he mentors Peter, but I think it, it just, the, the whole story feels a little bit weird to me when we move on to Ultron, mm. because it's like, I thought you dealt with this, but now yeah. you're still... Now you're still dealing with your insecurities and your terror of trying to protect Earth, you know, your fear, your anxiety, and you accidentally created the Terminator, right. you know. Um, it kind of just feels like, well, I thought you dealt with that in Iron Man 3 and you came to your resolution and you, you know, and you got your shrapnel out of your heart and all of that, and but you're here, you're doing it again. So it just kind of, it feels a little bit disjointed to me, but um, not like... Not terribly, but like a little bit. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good point because that was something I was going to forget to bring up. Like, so the whole climax of this film, because like like you said, and I do agree with you. Like, he doesn't feel like it's enough. That's why he's got like Mark Forty Two, and she thinks he's only made fifteen <laughs> suits, and um, right. and we see all the suits, but like he destroys all the suits, right? Mm. And uh, he goes on to New York and everything. But then we go to Age of Ultron, and he's got suits. He's got the Hulkbuster. Um, and he continues all the way through Infinity War and Endgame to have suits. Mm -hmm. So, like, you're you're right where it's like, oh, he doesn't need the suit to be the hero, but here he falls back immediately into it. And I mean, I I think that that was a problem within the story writing. Like, they thought they came up with this really clever journey for him, uh, and then realized, well, 
we can't do Iron Man in these other films if he doesn't have suits. So right. I, I think that that's ultimately where where it does feel a little disingenuous, a little dis, disjointed. Uh, and again, like it doesn't it doesn't flow exactly from Avengers because like he's telling Bruce, this doesn't define me. The the arc reactor doesn't define me. It's just a part of me. It's who I am. Um, mm. And then immediately by the end of this film gets it removed. Like if Loki invaded Earth six months later <laughs> after he gets the arc react, we're screwed, right? Like there's a what if episode for well, you. Well, that wouldn't have set off his anxiety. It would have to have been something else to set it off. Well, I mean, and I'm sure there there would have been something. But yeah, it, it just, uh, it's it, again, it's this kind of like, what do we do post Avengers? Now, I feel like they've kind of post phase two, post Age of Ultron, I feel like they've gotten better on how they wanted to plan these out. Cause like at least in, in phase one, they're like, okay, we need the introductory movies and we need a crisis for them to come together. Right. But phase two, they're like, what do we do? (laughs) Yeah. So how do we tell these individual stories without expecting Captain America to be flying in or, you know, Thor to come in or Hulk to come in. Um, And you know, Sorry to cut you off, but no, that fine. is like one of the most annoying things to me. Not that they're not there, but everybody on the internet going, "Where's the show? Where's this person?" Right. And I'm like, "Did you just not like? Yeah. That's not what this movie is." Because well, you like maybe sit down. <laughs> have they ever read a comic book? Because like right, there like, there are situations there where you're like, "Okay, Superman's fighting this really <laughs> dangerous villain. Like, why is Batman not there to help him out? Like, why is Wonder Woman not right? there?" Like, <laughs> you do have to have these isolated stories, like and. And they yes. have managed to figure out to do certain story. Like, look, Thor Ragnarok. You know, when we get the Thor Ragnarok and we have Hulk and Thor in the same movie, they right. learned how to manage to create certain scenarios for these characters to show up. And especially with, again, the Disney Plus shows being, I think, the next best thing for, uh, and, and hopefully, eventually, at some point, probably the future of the MCU. Uh, to tell more complex, more in-depth stories. Because I, I think had maybe Iron Man 3 been broken out into a six-episode season, you could develop better that anxiety, that PTSD. You could develop the even the fake Mandarin a little bit more. You could develop Aldrich uh, a little bit more. Because we only get glimpses of Aldrich through uh, video footage of and taking at different points and showing his evolution from, uh, you know, a physically handicapped person to Guy Pierce, um, and, and you know, and we don't get to go on that journey with him. We don't get to go through the journey of the soldiers that they tested on. Like, so when you have the one soldier who can't regulate and blows up at the Chinese theater, like you don't know, we don't know what he's going through. We get a little glimpse yeah. of that with Brant because like we see, Oh, she had lost her arm in an IED explosion. That's why she's got the scars and everything. And so like, we can understand why she would have volunteered. Uh, and, and so like a lot of the small, finer details that I think would have improved the story and would have made it more impactful are overshadowed because, okay, we're telling this in a two hour and 20 minute story time, you know? And like, yeah. And and this is one thing I'm a little bit afraid, especially because like seeing with what Eternals runtime is, with what Shang Chi's runtime was, with what Spider Man No Way Home's runtime is allegedly supposed to be, we're getting to about three hour films now, <laughs> yeah. and that's not sustainable. Um, I like I can understand it for Eternals because 
you're introducing six brand new characters. So like you've got to give ample time for those characters that each have their moments and have their character development, which is probably what the film suffers from. I mean, I haven't really been paying too much on reviews on that, but uh, that's what my thinking is, is why people are not as like happy with that film is it's suffering from its own weight of trying to handle too much. And then you like, if you could break Iron Man out or even if you broke Eternals out into a six episode show on Disney plus with the same level of uh, detail and storytelling, I think you might have a better shot at developing out those characters and those storylines a little bit more. So I, I'm just going to be a big proponent of saying, hey, move these to television, move these to longer format storytelling, uh, much like you said about Dune. Like, you know, yeah. Dune could be more accessible as a television show versus an actual film or even a trilogy of film. And Lord of the Rings, to an extent, you know, could could have benefited more, um, yeah. even though it's it's pretty much perfection like <laughs> still don't have tom bombadil but you know pretty much perfection with what uh, peter jackson know. did but you know if the second they put him in everybody warned they just leave him with the ring bra, 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 bra. <laughs> it's like well, well that, the, gandalf it, didn't trust to leave him with the ring he's a little absent-minded well not only that even like tom's like no you don't want to leave that thing with me so <laughs> it's, it's like you know there's there's internal logic but yeah it, it, again like you're telling it, it fits even within the comic book format right like because comic book format you're telling long-form stories through issues roughly between six to 12 issues for one story arc um, that maybe this is the way forward. Cause I think at some point uh, and we might be seeing it now with some of the phase four films, not necessarily the shows that they're buckling a little bit under the weight of, of trying to up the ante, but also trying to tell uh, stories that are going to move the rest of the universe forward. So uh, I yeah, think we'll like, see. yeah, I mean, it's, it's pure speculation at this point. Um, I mean, not saying like I'm not excited for the future films coming out, but uh, I do think that if they start feeling like they're they're running into a corner or that they're like, well, we got to cram all this because, again, going back to the central complaint of Iron Man three is it's a lot of stuff that they're cramming in at once and just like, okay, PTSD, Iron Patriot, Mandarin, Aldrich, Extremis, (laughs) like you're like, okay, can uh, the real. Uh, I was going to say Gwen, but Pepper and uh, Tony's relationship, like you're, you're, hand, you're juggling a lot of things and you're trying to keep it within a, a decent runtime. I mean, even at this point, still going over two hours uh, and it, it, it suffers a little bit. But I will say, like, if I'm ra- if I'm rating the Iron Man films, I'll go Iron Man one, Iron Man three, Iron Man two any day and I will fight anyone including <laughs> you. Cause I know you, that's, that's not your ranking uh, about it, you know? So, well, the thing is, is I had not gone back to like actually sit and just watch Iron Man three. Like since I saw it in theaters, okay. because I was like, there's no, I have zero need. Well, you know, like to, we've to said, watch it. it doesn't really move anything. Yeah, it forward. doesn't do any, that is one of the things like when we get to Thor dark world, I literally only own the copy of that because it has an infinity stone (laughs) like that moves that's related to the plot, you know, of, of the universe. If it did not have any other touch points, I might, might. And I mean, it's like maybe a tic-tac sized of might keep it 
for just purely for Tom Hiddleston and Loki's performance. Mm. Other than that, there's like absolutely nothing. <laughs> so, so we're, we're I, telegraphing a little bit of our Thor dark world review. <laughs> well, I, I, also, I think it's just kind of a, kind of an issue of these few movies here. Like you said, of like, what do we do right after Avengers? Right. And they don't really develop anything very well. And they just kind of are like here, maybe it's like their awkward puberty stage or something. Yeah, that's, ex- that's exactly right. It's like, they don't really know what to do, but now having like seen song, <laughs> having seen Shang-Chi now, and then us doing this review, I went back and watched it. And I was like, that was not nearly as terrible as I remember it being. So, <laughs> you know, I just remember coming out of the theater being like, why did I waste my time with this? Right. You know, and, and now I'm like, well, that wasn't that bad. I mean, I did get up and do a couple things, not like too much, right. but it wasn't like, oh, you know, I'm like, well, that wasn't so bad. I don't know, because Iron Man 2 does give us, introduce us to Widow. I think Justin Hammer, um, what's his name? Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell is is very funny yes. in that performance. I like it. Uh, pl- uh, plot wise, this is probably inches it out, just because of just think you know the whole whiplash thing and just thinking about what happens in the plot wise there. But I don't think it inches it out by that much. Oh yeah, I don't. I don't. I won't say like it's. It's like a. Oh yeah, clear winner. I mean, outside right. of Iron Man one being the clear winner of, of yeah. the whole thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it's. It's one of the scenes. But you bring up a really interesting point that I was just thinking about as you were saying about it. So like, Iron Man three is trying to deal with the aftermath of Avengers. Thor is trying to introduce an Infinity Stone. So it's it's trying to move the story forward a little bit. Yeah. But if we look at um, Winter Soldier, and I think the reason why Winter Soldier is probably the like glowing child of Phase Two <laughs> is it really wasn't focused on post Avengers. It was focused on Steve, and it was focused on yeah. Bucky and and their relationship and this and and it just was trying to be a political thriller. Um, yeah. and I think that that's why it it worked so well because we get introduced to new characters who become lasting characters. Uh, it runs into a, a, an existing plot line that runs down into civil war and even feeds into infinity war and Endgame. And I think that maybe that's, that's what they need to look at. And I think that that's probably kind of what they've done since that's kind of what it feels like with guardians, with Ant-Man, um, all of the new films that kind of come out of it, even Dr. Strange, like, they're not they're not so concerned about exactly what happened in Avengers or the fact that the Avengers are around, but just that they are living in the world that the Avengers are in. And yeah. so I think that well, that was like the lesson even, they learned. Yeah, like because even in Shang-Chi, we talked about you see the the posters up yeah. on the walls, like, you know, post anxiety or post blip anxiety and stuff like that. Like they just because ha- you don't need to do much to be like it, it's happened in the world. And now, you know, here's how people are dealing with it. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, we had Falcon and Winter Soldier for that, basically. So, um, you know, dealing with that whole post-blip uh, kind of re-immersion and, and reintegration into the world. But, yeah, it, it didn't yeah. – Shang-Chi wasn't relying on you knowing anything with Doctor Strange or anything with Cap or Thor. It was just like, okay, here's here's the world they live in. We know these characters exist. And, okay, we'll throw Trevor in there. You know, that's, that's the nice bridge between this film and that film. And – 
still acknowledging that the the world is happening. We get Blonsky mm-hmm. Blonsky uh, back for uh, Abomination. We get Wong for a little bit. So like we get these little tidbits that tie in, but they're like if you blink and you miss it, you're not missing anything from the film. Right. Um, whereas I think that they were more concerned in Phase Two of like how can we keep these so connected that like you kind of have to watch these to understand what's going to go on in Age of Ultron and, and Infinity War and Endgame. Whereas then yeah. they kind of were like, okay, we'll have things be an impact, but like we'll still let these characters have their own stories. I mean, even with Scott and Ant-Man and Wasp being like post-Civil War, ankle bracelet, funny adventure, <laughs> but like that's it. You know, that's all. It, it doesn't focus too much on Civil War or anything yeah. like that. Um, yeah. So yeah, this is the awkward teenage phase uh, for for the MCU. I think with Phase Two, uh, there are shining moments, like we said, Captain America: Winter Soldier being probably the most shiny moment, and then you know, Age of Ultron kind of capping it out. Um, although I was it, uh, Ant Man is the end stone, I think, for um, for, for Phase, phase Two, two. Uh, if I remember correctly. So, uh, but yeah, you have your shining moments, you have your duds, but. Ultimately, still, we're still kind of going strong. There's, they're still learning, like at this point. Yeah. And I think once we yeah. get to phase three, that's where they've like, okay, we've got a solid. You've plan. figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. know how to introduce these characters, and I think it's only going to get better with phase four, with the shows, because I'm really excited for. Um, we talked a little bit about this before recording. I know you haven't seen anything with it, but like just seeing some of the images that they're releasing for Disney Plus Day showing kind of like little teases of Moon Knight and Ms. Marvel and She-Hulk. Like it's amping me up for these individual stories that we're going to see on the smaller screen. I mean, well, we have Hawkeye Hawkeye coming up pretty soon. Very, very excited for Hawkeye. So, um, all right. Well, nothing else to really much talk about this film. Um, you know, these always, these, uh, well, one thing I thought of, it's a totally random comment, not like (laughs) super important. But when I was rewatching, and he's his he's blowing up all his suits, mm. I was just thinking about Spider Man and Vulture, and like, would that not be the prime spot? You've blown up all your technology right here, just like dive down, oh, yeah. and get all these bits and pieces of all his suits and get all this technology. But that was just like a random who knows, maybe random they, maybe they did, <laughs> maybe they did. I mean, they heck they they, re- they right retconned. There. They retconned Peter, you know, into Iron Man too. So, yeah. who 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 knows? Uh, who knows? And especially like uh, with Morbius coming out in January, and it's confusing everyone on what universe it's taking place in because you do have Michael Keaton showing up, and and but yet you have references to uh, to uh, Toby's Spider Man, to Andrew's Spider Man, to Tom's Spider Man, and mm-hmm. no one knows. No one knows what, where this place is t- uh, taking. Well, that's fine. It, oh yeah, especially with you know, No Way Home probably is going to answer some of those questions uh, for us. Uh, hopefully, um, which I'm. That's that's the one. Like yeah. that is the one Waiting where I'm like, that one. <laughs> die hard. I need it now. I want to see it now. Um, but we got we got a little bit of ways to get there before before that happens. Uh, might actually, even though I told our manager uh, that I was not going to take any days in December, I might have to take that Friday. Shamey, shamey. Well, be, to be fair, it is before Christmas, and I told her I was not taking anything near Christmas off. So we we shall see. 
Um, so if we're going to score it, um, let's see. If I'm going to score this one, I can't remember what I gave Iron Man 2. It's been, it's been a while. We need to keep a spreadsheet. <laughs> we do. You can be responsible for all spreadsheets because oh, I will not upkeep them at all and I will forget about them. Um, I think... I think I'm going to land on a three and a half. Like that might seem very generous with some of the criticisms like I have of it, but ultimately, yeah. you know, the one thing that has always sold the Iron Man uh, franchise and, and the Marvel films in general have been Robert Downey Jr. And mm-hmm. I think the story could have been complete crap and it could have just been, uh, it could have been as bad as Captain Marvel in my opinion. And I could have probably still enjoyed it more because of Robert Downey Jr. Um, yeah, his performance. So, uh, yeah, I think he I think he just saves it. And also even um oh why why am I blanking out on his name? Um Happy John Favreau. John Favreau. I don't know I have no idea why I was blanking out his name. But John Favreau is happy, you know, is also another selling point in this film. Just their little bickering back and forth about trying to turn the camera you know, so he can see who Pepper is talking to. <laughs> uh, you know, and that relationship is, is always really great. And so I, I think the rest of the movie could have been complete crap. And I still would have enjoyed it more than some of the lesser Marvel films. And, and then quite frankly, like even, even the lesser Marvel films are still films I can enjoy on some form and aspect, even Captain Marvel, even Captain Marvel. Uh, but you know, that's going to be a really interesting review. I'm really really interested to see when we get to Captain Marvel how we're going to talk about that film because I've talked <laughs> about it twice on the podcast solo so I have no idea what it's going to be like as a conversation with you on here um and maybe I can get Pat to join on that one too since he's he likes to be a little bit lazy uh, so what score do you give it um I was thinking about it and I was kind of Hemming and Holland, but I think 3.5 just kind of feels right, especially because yeah. I can't remember what I gave Iron Man 2. <laughs> <laughs> See? See? It really, it's really like, because especially when we say, oh, it edges out over Iron Man 2, yeah, we don't want to like give it a, a lower score. <laughs> right. I feel like just plot point wise and the story that they had here edges out Iron Man 2 just mm. a little bit, but uh, it's not by, by that that much. Right. I, I feel like the three Iron Man movies like were sort of a like trilogy love story to yeah. Robert Downey Jr. for getting this all kicked off and started and um, giving us the MCU, you know, and getting it going. And then it was kind of like, well, we got to get him another couple of movies. We're going to have him in stuff. You know, it was just sort of like a love story to hear Robert, you know, take this and run. And right. I mean, I think he's done a really good job with it, you know. And especially when it comes up to, I mean, of course, when we get to Endgame and we'll be big spoilers for Endgame if you haven't watched it. <laughs> who hasn't right watched now. Endgame? Well, who knows, man? But Are they living <laughs> under a rock? Yeah, they might be. <laughs> but, you know, to have him be the one to make the ultimate sacrifice and just end cap it all, yeah. all out was just perfect. So, you know, 3.5 feels right for his last, pretty much last solo film here. Yeah, uh, and you know when you when you say that, like I I think um, prior prior to in game coming out and like trying to figure out who who's going to make the ultimate ultimate sacrifice, right? Like, was it going to be Cap? Was it going to be Thor? Was it going to be Iron Man? And I know I was Team Cap, and you were Team Iron Man. 
Um, well, yeah, because I, in my opinion, it had to be one or the other. It had to be Iron Man or it had to be Cap. It right. could not be any, like, literally, if both of them had survived, I kind of would have been upset. <laughs> right. And um, I knew it had to be one of those two. But, like, I, I was thinking Cap for specific reasons and you were thinking Iron Man for specific reasons. But then, like, when we started kind of this MCU franchise review, I, I think I talked to you about it. I might not have. But... It, once we started it and kind of like going back and reflecting on everything and knowing where everything goes, it's like, it it is right. It is yeah, right. Like how that could it's it, how could it have been anyone else? Right. Yeah. You know, for yeah. the, for him to start this, this monster of a cinematic universe and, and come to this ultimate climax, like even if it had been cap, like it would have been okay, but it makes it so much better that it's Tony when you get, when you get down to the, the nitty gritty of it. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it. You don't have anything else to say, do you? No. All right. Nope. So I hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, I know we were kind of scattershot with it, but that kind of happens with the MCU ones where, you know, that we're, especially these are the older ones because, you know, they've been around yeah. for a while. Everyone's talked about them. So it's you're, if you're not familiar with them, like I said, you're living under a rock. But uh, <laughs> all right. If um, As always, like, comment you know, subscribe to the podcast, uh, share it out with your friends. Uh, if you like our kind of takes on things, uh, I, I'm going to celebrate this, even though it's a very small number for most YouTubers. I think as us being a small channel right now, our Dune review is 30, re, uh, 30 views. And cool. that's, I, I like it. <laughs> you know? <Yeah>. It's like, <laughs> it's like, that's such a small number when you look at like some of these channels that have, like Critical like Drinker, Critical Drinker did his Eternals review and like it had been out for an hour and it had like eight hundred thousand views. And I'm like, Jeez. how? But you know, <laughs> I, I, I've just I'll, I'll celebrate the little numbers if I can. And uh, you know, the streaming is we've been learning about that and I'm having fun doing that. Uh, one of the goals for the podcast is to eventually possibly have once a week a live show. Um, more specifically centered around films that just get released like on that Friday or Saturday where that we can get a chance to get out and see it. And everyone that wants to be on the panel uh, can kind of come together and talk about it a little bit if our schedules can allow it. Uh, so that's going to happen possibly at some point. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, but, you know, as always, you can write into the podcast if you don't want to comment at critics, not cynics at gmail.com. You know, follow us on Facebook on, and on Twitter uh, and if you're listening audio only, you can basically get us on any of the podcasting services uh, that are out there. So, all right, guys, we'll we'll talk to you next time.